part in helping it grow from $3 million to over $100 million in the next 10 years. He is a rare blend of mystic and business guy, a respected author, and a storyteller. So welcome to the show, Danny. Such a joy to have you. Hey, Pam. Hey, Sherry. Nice to be here with you. We've had silent conversations, both of us, you know, beforehand. So it's nice to see you, be with you, enjoy time together with you. Thank you for having me. Yes, absolutely. Thank you. And so as you know, on the show, we like to talk about being high vibe. So tell us what it means to you to be high vibe. I think I'm going to answer most likely differently, which from most people. Because I think most people, they think of why vibe means, means holding a vibration for themselves. Hey, Dina, how you doing? Good to see you. I think we think, we, we think that this is who I have to be. Everything about me is about when you play in a high vibe game and when you really are high vibe, you allow yourself to disappear and bring the vibe of everybody else around you up. And so for me, being high vibe and being in a high, I love high vibe nation because that means that our energy is such that we, we lift the people of, around us up and we become like a window. When it's clean, you don't see it. It's only when it's dirty that you see the window. And so a dirty high vibe is you see me. A clean high vibe is you see through me to see yourself. Does that make sense? Total sense. Absolutely. That's beautiful. Thank you for sharing that. So tell our audience a little bit about who you are. I mean, your story is amazing and and how your book came about. We'd love to hear that. So I've I've had the good fortune to live a lot of different lifetimes in this lifetime. It has been really, really um, Odd. It's not the type of life that most people have lived. Often I wish that I was still living five blocks from where I was born, you know, and, and, my, and my mom and dad were still alive and I was into my dad's business and we were just doing that type of thing. But that hasn't been my life. My life has been one where I've had amazing, amazing, great things happen in my life. And the deepest, deepest, most painful despairs that you could ever imagine. And in, in the course of that life, I've been able to sit with some of the most wealthy people in the world, not in audiences with them, but around their dinner tables. I've sat with their parents and talked with them over, over dinner. I've played on the floor with their children in the living room and just been able to get to know them as people. They've been kind enough to give me their counsel upon occasion and kind enough to ask my, my advice to them on many occasions as well. Being that I was at Hay House for 10 years, I also got to sit with some of the people that inspire people in the world and inspire millions of people. And because I wanted nothing from them, they would come to me when they just needed to be themselves and let go of the persona. So many times people have a persona on a stage and not, that's not who they are. And they just needed somebody that they could talk to and, and confide in and just cry cry sometimes on their shoulder. And so I was able to be that person. I was able to play with their kids. I was able to be with them and just enjoy them. But I've also been able to have, to sit on street corners with some of the poorest of the poor, to sit on their cardboard boxes and share dinner with them as well. And sometimes that dinner was a bottle of wine and a, a loaf of bread and a piece of cheese that I brought to the dinner so that we could share it and enjoy it together. 
And some of those have been the richest moments of my life. They've been so full. In fact, the story that really propelled me to do what I'm doing is the story of Corey, who was a homeless man. Do I have time to tell that story now? Yes, absolutely. Yes. So I was walking along the street and I'm a bit of an empath, so I could feel people's energy sometimes. And sometimes it's more exasperated than, than most time. Hey, Larry, to, on this particular day, it was really exasperated. So I would walk by and, I would, and my heart was starting to pound like so fast and, I, and I, it really hurt. And I felt this, I felt my heart was gonna explode from the pain that my heart was feeling. And then this woman passed me by and it was gone. And then two minutes later, I was walking and my knee buckled out because the pain in my leg was so immense that I feel this pain. And then I saw this man stumbling behind me and as he passed me, suddenly the pain in my leg was gone. And so I just needed to get off the street because I was feeling people way too much, way more than I wanted to, way more than I felt like I was praying for it to stop because it was literally affecting me so much. And so I went to the side of the, of the street and I sat on, up, along a building, but sitting there was a homeless man. His name was Corey. And he said, no, no, you can't sit here. This is my spot. You know, you can't get money from me. This is my spot. If you come here, you're going to take my, you're gonna, I'm going to lose my money. And I said, listen, I, I just, want, just want to sit with you and I just want to listen to your story. Just let me, I'm, I don't want anything from you. He said, no, no, I'm going to lose money if you sit here. I said, tell me, how much will you make in the next half an hour? He said, $5. I'm going to make $5 in the next half hour. I can't afford to lose that. So I went into my wallet and I gave him $50. And I said, look, here's $50. Any, if you make more than that, you keep that, you keep all of it, okay? I just need to sit with you and talk to you. Well, it took me about 45 minutes to break through his defensiveness. And, and you can understand why. He was homeless. And, he, and the stories he told me were that he hated being homeless. He was embarrassed. He was ashamed of himself. He hated the fact that he had to live on the street. But people hated it even more. They treated him like a thing, not a person. And they would come by and they would spit on him or kick him or beat him up. And, and people would, he remembered, he, he told me one time he was, he was sleeping and, and, a, and a guy urinated on him. And the other day, right before I met him, somebody threw a bag of human defecation at him. And he said, this is just too much. I mean, I, what am I doing? I hate my life. I hate what I'm doing. And if I hate it so much and the people around me hate me so much, I'm going to go around the corner this evening because the street right back of where we are has no traffic. And when it gets dark, I'm just going to take my life tonight. And he was just resolute that he was going to take his life. About two minutes after that happened, the man came up and put his hand on his shoulder. And the man said to him, how are you doing, brother? And Corey, in his inominable way, said, I'm not doing good. This isn't a good moment. You shouldn't stay here. Just keep going, sir. Please keep going. Just keep moving on because I'm not doing good. But the man didn't move on. He sat down next to him and he put his arm around him and he said, what's going on? Tell me. And Corey told me he started to cry tears, crocodile-sized tears, tears that were the biggest tears he's ever cried. And he didn't understand why he was crying to this stranger. But he just sat there and cried and the stranger didn't go away. He just held him tighter. And he said to him, what's going on? And Corey just told him all of the things that were going on and all the things that troubled him. And he looked at me and he said, Danny, you know something? It only took 10 minutes, Danny. It only took 10 minutes, but after 10 minutes, I was feeling really good. Hey, Ken, how you doing? He said, I was feeling, I was feeling much better and I realized I can't take my life now anymore. 
I can't do that to myself anymore because someone who is important actually cared about someone who's not important. And I can't let him down because now somebody who's important cares about me enough to sit with me for 10 minutes. And I said to Corey, if you could stop all these people that are walking past you and say something to them, what would you say? And he said, Danny, I would say just that, the story that I told you, that we have no idea how important it is, the simple act of just going up to somebody and asking them how they're doing and, and how that could affect a, a stranger's life. He said, that man, I wish I could have seen him again and told him that just that gentle act of kindness, that 10 minutes that he took out of his day actually made it so that I did not take my life. He saved my life that day. And I wish I could have said it to him, but I never got a chance. Well, you know how they call this thing the butterfly effect where one person does something and then other people feel it and do it too? Mm -hmm. Yeah. That story touched me so much that I told that story in every, in every podcast that I do, in every boardroom that I talk to, in every speech that I give, in every, in every presentation that I have, I managed to tell the story and I managed to say what Corey's would ask people to do, which is just take 10 minutes out of the course of your life. Go up to somebody you don't know and just ask them how they are. You don't need to fix them. You don't need to help them. You don't need to change them. You don't need to convert them. All you need to do is just love them enough to ask them how they're doing. You have no idea what that would do. I went back many times to that corner to try and tell Corey the effect that he's had on me. And the fact that his story has now been heard by millions and millions of people from every little place that I've told that story to and all the people that have told those stories and how many of those people are now spending 10 minutes going up to people they don't know and just asking people how they're doing. And I've never got a chance to see him again. I'll keep looking for him, but I haven't seen him yet. And I hope I do see him because I hope he knows the impact that that story told to me on a street corner when I wasn't feeling well, the impact that that had on me and the impact that it's had on the world around me. Wow, so powerful. I just, I mean, as you're telling the story, I'm thinking, I think that says it all. <laughs> yeah. That sums it up, you know, and, yeah. and how many of us even think about taking the time to just give a kind word or smile at someone. So tell us how, you know, this story and, and your other life experiences brought you to the point of writing the mosaic. So all of it came together. Ken, thank you. I, my, my, my buddy, I was on his show a, a long time ago. Yeah. I love you, Ken. Um, so, you know how things happen, and I guess I'm not the smartest guy in the whole world, because in order for me to get the message, I guess I need to be shown it many, many times. So Corey was one way that I saw it. My daughter, who's developmentally delayed, was another way I saw it. And writing the mosaic was another way I saw it. As you can see, I'm not the youngest guy in the, hen, in, in the, in the barn right now. I'm, I'm getting older, and I realized, hey, you know what? I've had a lot of life experience. I would really like to write something in case anybody's interested, I can't imagine anybody being all that interested, but I, in case somebody's interested, I'd like to be able to leave a legacy for the world to hear from the experiences so I just don't take them, so they don't happen for no reason. And I wrote what I thought was going to be a great self-help book because I was, I was the director of business development at Hay House. I was dealing with some of the top self-help people in the world. We grew it from $3 million to $100 million together. 
And so I knew how to write a self-help book. And so I, I wrote a book called V2, which was the second version of your life. And I was so interested that people would say, if I only knew then what I know now, what I would have done and how I would have lived my life then. But I saw so many people who do know now what they didn't know then, but they weren't doing anything with it. They were retiring or they were playing golf or they, and I thought, why don't you, why don't you take what you knew, know now and do something now that would be, will make your next then better, right? right. And, and I sent it to my friend who was amused and she looked at it and she said, Danny, um, this isn't your book. And I said, I'm sorry. Like, what do you mean it's not my book? Do you, like, do you think I plagiarized it? Like, what do you, what do you think about? No, no, you didn't plagiarize it. This is great. The ideas are fresh and exciting and alive. But you're not a self-help guy. You're a storyteller. What are you writing a self-help book for? She said, you hate self-help. You don't believe that you should be this teacher that's teaching people things, and you hate that stuff. Why do you write this book? I said, well, I just wanted to leave like a legacy to somebody. And she said, pardon me. She said, BS. That's not who you are. If you don't write who you are, you'll never be who you are. And I said, so what do you think I should write? She said, you're a storyteller. Write a story. Write a fable. I said, oh, yeah, a fable is going to be the legacy. I mean, like, what? Like, what, what, what's my name? Aesop's now? I mean, like, what, what am I going to do? I'm going to write a fable. I'm like, there's man, man, guy, guy, and I'm going to write a fable. I mean, get out of here. I fought her for about a minute and a half until it started to sink into me. And that the power of story is so much more powerful than the powerful power of teaching. And the mosaic became this incredible story that actually took over me. I thought it was going to take me about uh, maybe six weeks, eight weeks to write because it was my story and I'm a storyteller. I know stories. It was based on the people that I met along the way in my journeys and I thought this is going to be easy. Two and a half years into it, it wasn't finished. Like I would write something that was I thought was fabulous. I would wake up in the morning and it was gone. I couldn't find it. I knew I had saved it, but it wasn't there. My computer crashed. I got everything back but the book. I, I, it was like something was going on. So I decided to have a Zoom meeting with my characters. Now, these were characters that I made up. They weren't real life characters. And so it could be, it's very possible that this is a made up conversation we're having here that you guys aren't real, but it feels real to me, right? right. You seem like you're there, you seem like you're there, I seem like I'm here, right? We seem like we're having, that we're here together. In the same way, it could have been a made up conversation, but they seemed awfully real to me. And one by one, I looked at them and I said, what is going on? Why, when I write your chapter, are you destroying it? Why won't you let me save it? And one by one, they each said to me, you're not listening to what we're trying to say to you. You're writing what you want us to say. We don't want to say that. As long as you write what we don't want us to say, we can't let you say it. We have to take it from you. I said, what in the heck are you talking about? You're my characters. I made you up. Right. And here's the important thing for people to hear. And if they, if they understand that they're way better than I, than I am, because I still don't, to this day, don't understand it. How do you make up a character and give it so much life that it actually talks? <gasps> That's impressive. But what, but what they told me is that everything in this world has a life that if we listen to it, even made up characters have a life that if we just listen to it, and, and do what it tells us to do, our job will be easy. 
So after our little Zoom meeting, they all agreed that if I listened to them, the book would be done in 30 days. Now, was it a channeled book? I don't think so. Like, is your conversation with me channeled? I don't think so. But I just listened to what they wanted to say. And I just finished reading the audio book, which will be out soon. And when I read the story, tears were running down my eyes. Because it really is not my book. It really was their writing was totally different. Even the ca characters and the way they presented themselves. Gosh, I was a bit of a snob. Oh, wow. I didn't sit on street corners with homeless people. I didn't, I didn't talk to the simple, ordinary people. I was a high vibe guy, you know, so everybody had to have a certain vibration. I only ate in restaurants where they cooked the food with consciousness. I only talked to people with consciousness. I was a friggin' snob. Mm. But the characters in my book were ordinary people. People that I never listened to. Mm -hmm. That said, listen to me. Please listen to me. Because nobody listens to us. Mm -hmm. So between the characters in my book, which were simple, ordinary people, a road worker, a gardener, a juice maker, a homeless guy, a street artist, and Corey, the homeless man that I actually met, and my developmentally delayed daughter that can't speak like you and I speak. She can only speak using her thoughts. Hey, I found you live too, that's nice. <laughs> <laughs> so what, what's so cool is that over and over and over again, the message that I was being given, and look how much I talk. Like, like, I'm a talker, I'm not a listener, right? I said, God, can't you find somebody better than me to listen? Look how much I'm talking. You must really have a problem here. Like, is, is listening that hard? And, and what I even heard God say to me was, Danny, it's not because you do it well that we're doing it, it's because we want you to learn how to do it. Mm -hmm. And in doing it, the other thing that happens, and I want listeners to hear this also, and feel it more than heal it, hear it. If what I'm doing in this conversation, which isn't a conversation, it sounds like a monologue, and I'm, I apologize for that. But if what I'm doing in this conversation is really taking hold, then what's happening is my stories are occupying your mind, which is relaxing your mind so you don't interrupt it with your fear. Mm -hmm. And what's really happening is my spirit is touching your spirit. My heart is touching your heart. Mm. And in that spirit and heart connection of touching our hearts, that's what changes us. That's what elevates us. It doesn't change us because I'm teaching something. It changes us because we're hugging each other and connecting like pieces on a mosaic. I'm holding you in the space of this space so that you, everything that you're not falls away so that everything you are can flourish. And I do that in this room that I have, where I have 50 conversations with 50 strangers. Mm. It started out as 50 with 50, but in a very short period of time, it grew to hundreds of people wanting to talk. Yes, we are learning to know. We're knowing to learn is also, also the way we could do it too. Mm -hmm. But it's so beautiful to just hold the space for people. And so I think I should practice what I'm speaking in speech. 
practice what I'm preaching now and just shut up and listen to you guys. How are you doing? We're doing, you know what, we're doing fantastic. Amazing. Thank you. Thank you for that message because I just felt my heart completely open wide and you took me back to when I walked homeless on the streets. Wow. And you touched me in that moment just now. I remembered a story that happened. Um, I was homeless on the streets. I only had $30 to my name. And I was had my little boy on the back of my bicycle. And I heard in my head, I watched this lady pushing her grocery cart by me. And I heard in my head to give her my last $30. And, and it was of food stamps. Wow. But do you know that... I talked to her. I took the moment to talk to her and listen to her and give her that love that you're talking about that you just shared. And do you know that she hugged me and thanked me like with this smile as big as a Cheshire cat? Yeah. And she, and she held my hands and she said, thank you. Do you know, this is what's so crazy about that. Do you know that literally two to three days later, $300 showed up in my experience yeah by yeah. giving in that moment love and and by you know just sharing sherry i love that story because one of the one of the underlying themes of the mosaic is nothing as it seems mm. you know we think we're these forms and we think that people are important because they wear a tie or people i remember walking into a boardroom one time because they had hired me to come in and do a, a, a conference on innovation. And they were all in three-piece suits and the women were in their, you know, pantsuits and Armani clothes and everybody was, you know, more stylish than the other person. And I came in in a jean and t-shirts. And, I, you know, I, it was, they were nice jeans, but they were jeans and t-shirts. And I walked into the room and, I, and they said, I'm sorry, can we help you? I said, maybe. Um, what would you like to help me with? And they said, well, we're about to have a meeting. And I said, yes, I know. They said, well, are you coming here to pick up the trash? I said, apparently I am, yeah. <laughs> and they said, well, the trash can's over there. I said, oh, no, I think there's a lot more trash in this room than just what's in the trash can. And they said, you're in the phone book. Good, man, I love that. <laughs> um, and and they, they said to me, I said to them, um, they said, well, what are you doing here? I said, well, you guys hired me to do a, a conference on innovation. And so... I, how do you think you're doing so far? Did you expect me to come into the room looking like you because that's the only way you can hear what I have to say? Is that where your innovation is gonna come from, from the little silo of people who look and think and feel exactly like you feel? Or is your innovation gonna come from the phone book guy that's right here smiling and giving all sorts of nice things to me? Ken, I love you, nice to see you. And Teresa, I love how things always work out some way. Tell me, I would love to know more what that means. What? Tell me what 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 your feeling is working out. But so we had we had this probably one of the best innovation sessions I've ever led, because they they took off their coats, they unbuttoned their shirts, they pulled down their ties, and I said, yeah, let's just relax, be together. Hey Tom, how are you doing? Let's just relax and be together and actually feel what is trying to happen in this room. Why are you stuck where you are? What can't you see? One of the things in the mosaic is about is seeing what you can't see. And you know, they have that beautiful picture of the old woman who's the hag and the other woman, and you look at her another way and she's that, that socialite. 
And it's such that when you see one, you can't see the other. Well, that's exactly how we are in life. What we see actually blocks us from seeing everything else that's there. So what would happen if we slid ourselves out of the way? What would actually happen? I think he's complimenting you on a great intro. I don't know. It sounds like I've been just like <laughs> It might be your that. intro story. Uh, <laughs> it might be your intro story. Maybe, maybe, or maybe it was you. And I should just shut up and listen more to your intros. I think that would be the best one. Um, but, but like, what would happen if we just got ourselves out of the way? In every single place in the mosaic where Mo goes out to meet these people, he has a preconceived notion of who they are and he sits down thinking they're going to be one thing. But in every single case, 100% of the time, when he listens to them for a few minutes, what he realizes the person he's sitting with is not at all the person that he thought was there. And in that simple act of just sitting and listening to another person, his complete perspective of who they were changed. So what would happen for us all, listeners, important, vital, if we slid ourselves to the left, got out of our own way, and just started to see the world the way it is without our preconceived notion of it? Maybe we don't see the world the way it is. Maybe we see the world the way we are. And what would happen if we actually could see the world the way it is? If you get nothing else from this, that's the mosaic in a nutshell. Mm. Wow. Well, I mean, that really resonates with me. And, you know, one, one thing that came to me while you were talking was in, in my own journey, you know, I've, I've done that swing from having a lot to having nothing. And it's so interesting when you take that journey in life to see the way that people view you in those different places. And I love that you bring up the message that we're all the same. I was the same person having a lot as I was the person having a little. And so it, it gives us this opportunity to step back from this, this matrix that we're in, you know, like what we perceive, what you're just saying, I love what you perceive, uh, what we perceive as reality yeah. and the way things are. And so tell us a little bit about the characters and how they, how they do that throughout the book. Well, each one of them, and, and these are my characters, but the beautiful thing is in the story, we see these characters every day. You see them every day. You have your own set of characters that you pass by on the street all the time. I mean, Sherry was one of those characters which, when she was a homeless one. She, but she's also was one of those characters when she was a weightlifter. You were one of those characters when you were when you were doing good, and you were one of those characters when you're not doing good. The characters are simple. One of my favorites is the trash man because from the time I was four years old, I wanted to be a trash man. And I would sit on the back lawn as the trash man would come every Friday by our house. And I would watch the truck come by with the two trash men standing on the back ends of the truck. In those days, they didn't have a machine to pick them up. And the trash man got down, picked up the can, threw it into the back, pushed the button, grind the trash up, and moved on. And I would sit there in awe. 
And every Friday I was there and I would wave to the trash men and they would wave back to me. And my mom would stand at the kitchen window, scared to death that something bad was going to happen to me because I was talking to the trash men. And one day the trash man said to me, do you want to come and ride with me? I thought I died and went to heaven. I said, mom, mom, I'm getting on the truck. I'm going to ride with him around the block, okay? And she said, Danny, don't, 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 don't. I said, mom, it's okay. I'm just going around the block with them. They'll bring me. And, and the trash man was so nice. He said, he said, ma'am, we'll be very respectful. He just sits here every Friday. I thought it would be fun for him to come on the truck. And she said, okay, I, you know, please bring him back. Please bring him back safely. The first place we got up, I, I helped them take the trash and I put it in. And then I, they said, okay, you push the button that grinds it up. I was like, in, I, I thought I was in like the greatest heaven I could ever imagine watching the truck grind it up. I got home and my mom said, Danny, you have a genius IQ. You can't think that you're going to get trash man in your life. I mean, I know you're infatuated with it. It's fun and it's good, but you can't, you can't decide that's what you want to do. But to my mom's chagrin, what I realized is I'm actually a trash man now. But my trash that I take is not the rubble and the trash that you put in your trash can. It's the emotional garbage. It's the spiritual garbage. It's the intellectual garbage. It's all the things that are keeping you from being who you want. So what I say to you, now that you know the trash man, I've introduced him to you. You can see him. Here I am. Okay? I have this receptacle that's super big. Take everything that you that troubles you. All the pain that you have. All the suffering. All the angst. Everything that bothers you, everything that feels, that you feel is keeping you from be, doing what you want to do. Take it and just put it into this trash can. You don't have to give it up. Just put it in here for a few minutes. Just get rid of it all. Just let me hold it for a few minutes. Because the compassion of that moment is I want you to just feel what it feels like when you're no longer carrying that burden with you. It's right here, you can have it again if you want it. But so many times when I do this with people, they think I can't give this up, I can't give it up. But then they feel themselves suddenly free of it. And they go, oh, wow, all that weight off of me, I don't need it anymore. Please just put it in the truck and grind it up. And I'll happily take it and put it in the truck. And I, and I leave the can there. I'll come whenever you need me to pick it up. And you don't need me to do it. There's trash men that you can call anytime you want. And just make friends with your trash men. Call them whenever you need them. Have them put all of your trash in that receptacle. Mm. And let them take it from you. It's so easy. It's so simple. I mean, Sherry, you and I were having this conversation yesterday about how complicated the spiritual path was and, you know, how, how mindful we have to be of all this stuff. And, and remember, I said, yeah, I think it's just simpler than that. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. It's just simple. Like the trash man is the trash man. He takes away your trash. Mm -hmm. There's no comp. There's nothing. You don't have to have a college degree to understand that. Mm -hmm. The beauty of the work that these characters have taught me I told you, I've sat with the richest people in the world, the poorest people in the world. And all of them, no matter what color they were, no matter what religion they practice, no matter what their education level, no matter how much money they make, no matter how big their house or how torn their cardboard box, 
Every single one of them wants the same three things. They want to be loved and accepted. They want to be listened to and heard. They want to be acknowledged and validated. You don't need a college degree to do that. You don't need to be part of a religious movement to do that. You just need to take a moment and care enough about people to just say to them, hey, how you doing? How you doing has become a salutation these days. We say, hey, how are you? Fine, good, great. Okay, I, I get that. But you know what? We're in a global pandemic. We have race, we have we have race protests going on. We have women standing up and saying, I won't be treated like that anymore. Our our structures that we believe in are, are melting around our eyes. They're they're corroded and they're ending. Our political system is a mess. Our medical system is a mess. Our education system is a mess. We're, we're, everything is crumbling. Are you really going to tell me you're fine, good, great? Or do you just say that because you don't think I care enough about you to listen? I care about you. I want to listen. Tell me what troubles you and put it here in this can. See what happens? You know, it comes to mind to me with what, you know, when you ask people certain questions, they're so preoccupied with the pain and what was and looking back at what was and they built up these walls. And so how would you say, what kind of advice would you give on how to see things differently? How to, for them to see differently their life? Um. I don't give advice to people. I can just share my experience. And if my experience is beneficial, then take it. If it's not, throw it away, for God's sake. Because, yeah. you know, I'm just an old fat guy living in California. Okay. So what yeah. do I know? Please, please share your experience. I mean, everything you're sharing is so heartfelt. What, what I feel for me is that it isn't what you do to me. It's what I do to me. I sabotage myself and beat myself up so often by telling myself what I'm not able to do, what I can't do, what I'm scared to do, what I'm hurt to do because I got hurt in a relationship or I got hurt by a friendship or I got hurt by someone passing away or I did this. So I've, I've built these walls around myself and I tell myself I'll never be free of those walls. I just can't do it because I don't want to endure that pain. And so imagine, like you can see this now, if you're seeing this on in camera, Imagine if I spend my time doing this. You know, I'm, I'm probably going to hit myself a few times until I realize, gosh, that hurts. So I'm going to put up this little barrier here. But look how close that barrier is. Mm -hmm. And I don't know if I'm going to hit myself in the face, in the gut, in the, in the balls, in the knees, in the feet. I don't know where I'm going to hit myself. So I build that cylinder all the way down. And it's this far away from me. So imagine the world that I'm living in. I'm living in a world two millimeters big where all I see is, is my pain and my suffering and my defenses and my need. Okay? It sounds awfully familiar to a lot of people. How do I, how do I get that down? Well, if I stop hitting myself, I don't need a wall here. If I'm kind to myself, I can actually take this wall down. So as Pollyannish as it sounds, as much as we've heard it said, if we could just be kind to ourselves, this wall could drop down. It doesn't, we, it's not a lot of work. 
It's not like we have to decompose everything and go into every situation of where we are. Just be kind and it'll fall down on its own. And suddenly my world that was two millimeters away from me now exponentially grows. And I look out and I go, whoa, wow, look at this world out here. This is amazing. Okay. I might see you guys and go, God, you guys are pretty. I'm scared to death of you. What are you going to do to me? Like you'll eat me alive. What are you going to do? I don't, and I might be scared to death of you. Right. But here's what I know. I know kindness melted my walls. I bet if I'm kind and loving to you, it might melt your walls too. And I've watched this happen in my room of strangers, in my conversations with all these strangers, hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of conversations where people have no idea who I am. They come in, in their angst, in their pain, in their troubles. And within minutes in this magic room called Zoom Room, where they feel loved and accepted, listened to and heard, acknowledged and validated, suddenly they open up. And all that they aren't falls off and all that they are comes to be. Well, imagine if you would do that in your business. Imagine if you would do that in your family. Imagine if you did it with your lover. Wow, imagine if you did it with yourself. Imagine if you did it in your spiritual practice. Imagine if you did it to people you don't even know. Once it happens, it's so contagious. Go, Ken. Thank you so much for being here. Love you, Ken. Thanks for all your love and support. I love you, brother. Let's talk. We're all overdue. Imagine what would happen if we just were, were, were satellites of positive love and acceptance. I love that, Ken. So feel what that feels like to you. If it feels like garbage, put it in the trash can. You already know the trash can exists. If it doesn't make sense to you, throw it away for God's sake. I'm not trying to put anything on anybody that doesn't feel right. I just feel like we're so similar that if I remind you of what happens for me, and if it feels good to you and you like it, let's let's play together let's let's talk together come into my room and have conversations with me you know there's no charge for it i don't it's not like a, that's not the way i don't know how i'm going to make money through this i don't care i just want to do what's the right thing to do and through those conversations and i've had them with 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 Pam, we've had our conversations and there's something that's happening like this is can i get a little weird with you if i haven't already been weird yeah totally <laughs> I'm hesitant, okay, because um, where the whole world tries to make themselves look better, that's not my game. I, I'm I'm just a simple like I I'm a simple person. All I know how to do is love and accept people. That's not that's that isn't any talent. All of you, everybody has it. I know how to listen to people and hear people. That's no talent. We all can do that. I know how to acknowledge you and tell you what you're saying. I, I acknowledge you and tell you what you're saying I hear. And I give you acknowledgement for that and validate that that's what you said. But there's something that happens in that space. People are so 
used to protecting themselves and walking around with all this armor on and all these walls around them, that when they open up, suddenly they start to feel things. And they mistakenly put that feeling on me. I'm an old, broken down guy. You don't want to fall in love with me because it's not me. It's there's, there's an energy that comes through me that you feel. And that energy is not personal. That energy is not me. But that energy is, is, is opening up centers in your body. It's grounding you on the very basic center. It's grounding you from the root. It's, it's, it's putting your feet into the luscious, beautiful earth. And that feeling is, is grounding and, yet, and it's erotic because you're feeling yourself going down into the, into the earth. It's going to the sacral center. Thank you, brother. It's going into the sacral center where people are having misunderstanding their, their creative energy for sexual energy. And so people have called me up and said, you know, I've had orgasms listening to you speak because you've awakened in my, in my second chakra energy that I didn't know there. Well, that's creative energy. That's not sexual energy. Creative energy, sexual energy helps people create babies. And so I guess that's what happens. But like, look at this. This isn't, you, this isn't what you want to fall in love with. I'm a happily married man to a beautiful woman who I love and adore. So it's not like I'm coming into this place to say, allow me to sexually manipulate you or do anything. I'm not doing anything. People are just saying they're having these experiences because when they open up, they open up. And when you take that luscious, grounded, rooted energy and you, turn, and you bring it up to the creative center and you feel the creation and that sensuality of creation, which is also very real, and you bring that to your third chakra, which is your solar plexus, and you start to realize the power that you have when you can control that sexual energy and bring it up and, and be powerful and be powerful in using that power to, to define yourself and hold yourself. And all that energy then comes into your heart where you can just literally love and adore people with, for no reason. Like someone had a great quote and I put it on my Facebook because I thought it was so great. And, I, and it said, I love you for no reason. And, and you wonder, why would I love you for no reason? Well, if people hate each other for no reason, why can't I love you for no reason? And it is the kundalini. You're 100% right. And as that kundalini comes up, as that energy comes up into your heart, your heart starts to explode and you can't contain your love in just this body. And then you bring it up to your, to your throat and you, and you start to share and act and state your love. Hey, Eric, what's going on, brother? And you share, you feel it in your throat and you start to identify, this is who I am. And you're not scared to say it. You're not, you're not afraid. I had somebody that I was doing this with and just, and just yesterday, they, they, if they brought it to their throat and they just closed entirely down. They were so scared because they didn't want to have to claim it and own it and say it, but it's so beautiful to claim it and own it. It's not you, you, it's this energy that's moving through you. And when you feel that energy moving through you, you're not saying who you are, you're saying who you aren't because that energy is coming through you. Remember how I defined the high vibe person. It's not that I'm somebody, it's that I become invisible and the energy comes through me and, it, and, and you become great. 
And then you bring it to the point between the eyebrows where you actually focalize it and bring it and create from that place, this world, and then allow it to come through the top of your head and out and create, and your creation becomes cosmic. There is so much that we don't know about this world that we live in. I don't know. I don't know any of it. Mm. I'm just, I mean, it's so weird to me to start to have these conversations. And these are with people thousands of miles away that I haven't even spoken to or met or talked to that are having these soulgasms. They're not just orgasms, they're soulgasms. Because they're actually allowing themselves to feel again. Mm-hmm. And it's so beautiful and it's so scary because like, I'm not some guru, like, look at me. I'm just an old fat guy in California. Like I'm, this isn't, this isn't meant. I don't want anybody to think that I'm any more than I am. I'm, I'm, I'm telling you, I'm less than you think I am. You are greater than you are. That's what I want you to see. You are so much more than you are. If you think I'm more than I am, that means you are you're more than you are because you're seeing yourself in me. Unless I'm dirty, then you're seeing me, and I hope to God I'm not dirty. Does this make sense, or do I feel like some weirdo that you brought onto the show that some friggin' weirdo that you got to put him in jail or something? <laughs> so amazing! So amazing. Did you start blushing, Pam? What's going on with you? What's I just, yeah, no, what was interesting was I just, you know, as you were speaking there towards the end, I really just had this sense of, you know, the, the greatness of all the souls, mm-hmm. you know, some of which are listening right now and some of whom may hear this later, yeah. but the greatness of all of our souls yeah. as a collective. Mm-hmm. And, and the greatest souls are the one. Hey, four great leaders, Eric, include yourself in it, brother. You're yeah, one of them, too. Absolutely. The greatest ones of all are the ones we pass by on the street and don't even notice. Mm-hmm. And when we realize that every human being, whether they're pushing a broom or leading a corporation, whether they're sweeping the leaves off your off your off your front lawn, or driving you to work, or or they're, they're, they're moving the subway system and taking your tickets in the train. It doesn't mean anything. There's our slogan, no drama server others. I love you, baby. Mm-hmm. Oh, Mr. Awesome, putting his trademark onto the conversation. I feel blessed, brother. Thank you. <laughs> and so when you can see that every single human being is this immensely bright, beautiful light, that may not even see it themselves, but when you give them the chance and you hold that space for them to be who they are, it's so powerful to watch what they're not fall away and to just see who they are emerge. Mm. And all the fakeness, all the stuff that they have to put on to make everybody think they're somebody, it's not important anymore. Mm -hmm. I'm just a trash man coming to take your trash. I'm just a gardener pulling the weeds out of your soul. I'm just a homeless guy sitting on a street corner sharing with you what I would say to the person that took 10 minutes to talk to me. 
I'm just a street artist putting together pieces of a mosaic until you realize that that same street artist is connected to the wise one who's arranging every piece of every mosaic in the world and moving the pieces around just so the three of us and everybody listening here could be a part of this conversation. If people are listening to this for whatever reason they're listening to this for, it means the mosaic has already reached out, reached reached out to them. I love that, brother. It means that it means that the mosaic has found you. There's something magic in it. There's hey Patrick, thank you, brother. Love and light to you. It means that something magnificent has happened. My sponsors would love. For those of you who have heard this story, to pick up a copy of the Mosaic on Amazon, they would love that. It would make them happier than anybody. That's why it's over my left shoulder, because they want you to get the book. But to the extent that this conversation has meant anything with you, thank you so much. The beauty of this conversation is not that it's anything that I'm saying. It what's what happens in the perspective in the perceptual shift that comes when everything you saw, you suddenly see differently. Mm-hmm. How does that happen? Mm-hmm. All your life you've seen it this way. And then all of a sudden you see it totally different. I think it's differently proper English, but I don't know. You see it somehow you see it differently. Yeah. To yeah. me, that was the heaven that Mo was looking for in the book. Mm-hmm. That shift where he realized his parents never died. They were always with him. His dad was with him. In the end of the book, what happens is he sees his dad in heaven and that's in this place. And everybody that he's met along his journey, their face comes across his dad's face and he sees his dad was in every single one. That he didn't die, he just he just changed for him that they're not gone, they're still here with us. What we think we see is just not what is. It's just what we think we see. Mm -hmm. Ask yourself, if what I see is only what I see, what would be possible if I saw something else? If what I see is not what exists, it's just what I see. How about if I close my eyes for a minute? and try and see what the world would look like if I didn't see what I saw. What might I see? We are one piece of a mosaic away from having the love of our life, from having all the financial riches we want, from having the perfect job that we want, from living a fulfilled, happy life, from from realizing that our spirituality is in the everydayness of our being, from seeing that every human being that we touch is our teacher and our, and our great person. Well, it has to come in more than threes, Patrick, because there are more of us here than just the three of us. Same story, different day. I like that. Mm-hmm. So take time. Thank you, John. So, take Dan, Dan how, can, how can one tap more into the guidance of their soul? What are some ways to do that? Again, I can only tell you what 
is work for me. Mm -hmm. And if it makes sense, try it. If it doesn't, you know my trash can. Throw it right in there. If we would quiet ourselves down, we don't need to look for anything. Everything we have, everything is what is right in here. We have everything we need right here. The only problem is we're yap, 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 and all the time. Why have we become scared of the quiet? Why have we become scared of emptying out everything we are? I'm a big guy. So oftentimes I'll walk into a room and I'll just bump into a table and knock everything off the table. Sometimes I do it unconsciously. Sometimes I do it very consciously. And I go, oh my God, I'm so sorry I knocked everything off. But now that everything's on the floor, you get to choose what do you want to have on your table again. I'll help you pick everything up. But all the stuff you no longer want, let's just put it in a bag and put it, in, put it somewhere else. If you don't need it anymore, I'll take it out with me and put it in my family. Start to quiet your mind. Start to just sit and listen. Start to be quiet enough that you can hear the earth talking to you, the wind talking to you. For God's sake, listen to your wife or husband talking to you. I was about to go out on this trip and I was planning the trip and, I, and then COVID came and I couldn't go. And I was very busy planning and my wife came in and said something to me. I said, yeah, honey, I think that's a great idea. What a beautiful idea. And she said, hold it, look at me a minute. And I said, what? She said, you didn't hear a word I said, did you? I said, you're, you're right. I am so sorry. Uh, let me just put everything down and just listen to you. What is it you want to say? Please tell me. We have to do that. We have to say, we have to realize we're not listening to anything that's happening. Just get quiet. The sound of silence is so exquisite. I can't wait for you to hear what your silence wants to tell you. Just sit with it. Don't get, don't get bored. Don't get rushed. Don't lose your patience. Just sit with it. Just keep asking, what is it you want to tell me? And then just stop and listen and listen more and listen more. And suddenly you'll hear. And when you hear it, the intoxication of what you hear will electrify you. Be still and know. It's not something I'm saying new. It's been told to us from the greatest traditions of all time. Just be still and know who you are. You have everything you want right inside you. Why spend all your time looking out here for something you'll never find there? Nobody says, boy, I wish I would have had more money at the end of their days. I'm not saying money's bad, it's great. But why not take this time, like in COVID, why not see the blessing of this time being that we can't go outside? So go inside. Take the time to just go inside and be inside. Why not? Enjoy it. 
Now we just want to sit here and be still. <laughs> uh, but I mean, it really does. It just, just being in that space where you're contemplating that yeah. gives you a sense of the power of what can happen in that space. And if people need help, just contact me. Like, I'm not worried about money. I'm not worried about any of that. It'll all work itself out. But if you want to learn how to listen, I'm here. We'll figure out how to make it work for all of us. This isn't a sales call. There's nothing about what I'm doing is salesy. But it's so important. We think that the world has so many wonders to it. We have no idea how wondrous the world inside of ourselves is. If I've done my job well, my words are over. You feel me and you'll continue to feel me. If the seed's been planted, it'll continue to grow inside you. Just let it grow. If you don't like it, you know where the trash can is. Throw it away. It's all good. You are so right, Samuel. That voice is so beautiful. Thank yeah. you, Krista. And, and you can do it. All of us can do that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I think that you're right. And, and very much something you said to me, too, is, you know, stop talking and be quiet and listen. I hope I was more polite than that. Well, but maybe I was but, but like anything else, I mean, I think, and I can, like it, what you say, I can speak for myself and my own, my own journey and my own experience. And very much of my journey has been around that, has been listening, listening more and listening better. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, I don't mean this to sound corrective or in any way, shape or form. Again, I just want to share my experience. Mm -hmm. I spent so much time thinking I had to do more and better. I always, and, and what I was doing wasn't good enough, but what I'm doing is great. We don't need to do any more and better. Hey, Lynn, how you doing? All we need to do, like the beautiful thing about this is that if you walk into the room and that room of silence and you really want to hear, Silence will help you. We're not in we're not in a competitive world in this arena. We're in a benevolent world where if you say, Hey, I just don't know how to do this, will you help me? This world will come and help you. It'll pick you up and carry you in its arms. It'll journey you across the waters that you have to go across. Because it wants what you want, it wants for you a thousand times more. So this is a cooperative. I don't know how to do that, but I think that's it. <laughs> this is, this is trying to love Lynn back. <laughs> this is a cooperative. This is a cooperative world we live in—a benevolent, kind world where we don't have to do it more or better. We just have to show up. We just have to be be ourselves. We have to come with an open heart, an open mind, an open soul, and just say, "Take me, guide me where you want me to go." Mm -hmm. And believe. Beautiful, beautiful. Thank you so much, Danny. This hour has just flown by, and it, you know I couldn't help but just stay quiet. 
and listen because what you were sharing was opening up my heart. And I want to thank you very much for sharing that message with all of our audience members here at the High Vibe Nation tonight. It's been beautiful. Thank you so much for having me. And thank you. I, I, you can tell what an unworthy messenger of listening I am by how much I speak. So uh, please, I hope you will be better listeners than I am. But take the time to just listen to each other. It's such a beautiful Such world. a blessing. Huh? Such a blessing to have you with us. Yeah, absolutely. For me. Thank you. Oh, thank, thank you. you so much. And ha Merry Christmas, you know, happy, I feel like Santa Claus. I know, I love that. Well, and that, and, and listen, the Santa Claus vibe brings that, brings that happy, yeah. joyful, you know, jovial feeling, the high vibe feeling. Yeah. It's a high vibe feeling. The Santa Claus isn't about himself. It's about giving gifts to other people. Can't beat the spirit of Christmas, right? Yeah. <laughs> and again, you know, remember my definition of high vibe is we disappear and you appear. Mm -hmm. And that's what's beautiful. If we if we tend to disappear and you come out more, how beautiful a world we live in. Yeah. Thank you so beautiful. much for having you. You're, you're so, you are such beautiful people and thank you for giving me this space to just mumble and, you know, such a gift to have you here yes and thank you, for, thank you for reaffirming that message i mean once again it just said yes my soul said yes so thank you again thank you so share with our audience members and our podcast listeners how they can reach you starting with your website um, everything is on my website. You can get me at danielbrucelevin.com. It's right here in the show notes. You can also get um, me on the mosaiconline.com. If you want to be a part of the conversations that I have, everybody can just sign up. Just just go, um, contact me. I'll send you a link to my calendar. You'll sign up. I'm, I'm having, oftentimes I'm having 12 conversations, hour-long conversations a day. My wife says, you know, can you start them at nine o'clock? They're not at seven o'clock in the morning. You know, it's like crazy. But it's just, I'm talking to people in every nation around the world. And I want nothing from you except you. I want to hold the space for you to get to know yourself. Because I believe that if we listen to each other, I want to create a revolution of listening. And I believe if we would just listen to each other, most of the problems that we have today that exist in the world would vanish. Just that simply. Think of any time there's a fight going on. Nobody's listening to each other. They're talking over each other. If we would just listen to each other. Do I have time to end with one story? It's, it's, please, please are you do. sure? Uh, I'm, yeah, I'm absolutely. overstaying my welcome. I know I'm overstaying no, you're my fine. welcome. Not at all. It's the third piece of the puzzle. I talked about Corey, the homeless guy. I talked about the mosaic. I have the honor of having learned from the best teacher in the whole world. And that's my 31-year-old daughter who's developmentally delayed. She can't have a conversation like you and I have been having or a monologue like I've been giving. Because when she speaks, people don't understand her. But because she's so close to me and I love her so much, she's counted on me to understand her. And so I don't know how we do it, 
Yeah, Anna is amazing. Thanks there. <laughs> Anna is Anna's a saint. I mean, we just had my daughter with me and Anna. My daughter's a traitor. She loves Anna more than me now. You know, it's like breaks my heart. Um, but I'm happy. So she can't, people can't understand her when she speaks. So she counts on me to understand her. And most of the time, somehow I get it. I understand her. But sometimes I don't. And when I don't understand her, she'll raise her voice. And she'll say it louder. And she's smart enough to say I'm getting old. And I am, and I am, you know, possibly losing my hearing. And she'll say it louder, but it's normally not clear because she says it louder. And so now she's just screaming something that I can't understand. And when I can't understand it, she'll then go into a tantrum and she'll have a tantrum. And when I, that doesn't happen, then what happens is she'll, she'll come and attack me. And so finally, in the midst of one of her attacks, I said to her, Lisa, you've got to figure out you got to know, I just can't understand you. We can't do this anymore. I can't take you attacking me. You know I love you. You know I want to hear you more than anything. Can you please tell me how, how I can hear you? Can you say it without using words? And in perfect English, she looked at me and she said, I am daddy. I said, what the heck do you mean you are daddy? And she, I said, how are you doing that? She took her finger and put it to the side of her head. And I said, you little son of a gun, have you been putting thoughts into my head? And she said, yes, I have. And we started laughing and laughing, but her laugh was over years and years of trying to share that with me and me not getting it. And suddenly I freed, I, I saw her. Thank you, Erin, you are. And I saw her and she, and she felt listened to. From that moment on, she's never had another, she's never yelled, she's never tantrums, and she's never screamed. So I got greedy. I said, I wonder if that would happen with the people that I work with, with families that I work with, with organizations that I work with, with corporations and leaders and, and people and, and any institution that I work with, some of the government people that I work with. Would that help? And I saw exactly the same behavior. When people talk and they don't get heard, they yell. When they yell and they don't get heard, they tantrum, they create a scene. When they create a scene and they don't get heard, they attack. That could be they ruin, a, they destroy a marriage, they destroy a company, they destroy a party, they destroy something. They shoot people in a, in a square. And what I realized is if we could just find a way to hear what the person's saying, they would never need to yell. They would never need to tantrum. They would never need to attack. And that goes all the way from terrorist attacks to government conversations, to political parties talking to each other, to both sides of political parties, yelling at each other about how right they are and how wrong they are. If we could come and have conversations with agendaless conversations, where we were just listening to hear, to understand, to be with, I think what would happen, what happened with my daughter would happen with our world. And so my goal is to start a revolution of listening, not with guns, but with ears, with hearts, with souls. Let's see what we can do if we just listened. Thank you for listening to me. Thank you for having me. I love you both so much and I love the people that have responded. If you have an engaged audience, I'm, I'm, so, I'm so happy to be 
in a, in a conversation with engaged people. Thank you for your engagement. And just thank you for being here. I, I, Such a pleasure. Such a pleasure to have you and to be here with you and our amazing, you're absolutely right. We have the most amazing audience. They are wonderful. And we are very, very blessed to have all of you with us this evening. So thank you. Big love. Thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you everyone for being on with us tonight. Um, we are live on Mondays at 5 p.m. Pacific Standard Time on Wednesdays at 5 p.m. Pacific Standard Time. And Pam, go ahead and share with our audience how they can reach us. Of course, you can find us on the web at thehighvibenation.com, also on Facebook at The High Vibe Nation, and on Instagram <clears throat> at The High Vibe Nation. Awesome. Thank you again, everyone, for joining us in this amazing conversation tonight with Danny. We've just been really blown away at the amazing golden nuggets that Spirit has spoken through him to share with each and every one of us. And the primary message that came forward is quiet and listen. Thank you so much. All right, we'll see you again soon. Bye now. Bye, everyone. From everybody here at the High Vibe Nation, we want to say thank you for choosing to raise your vibration. And of course, please like, share, and subscribe. If you need to find us on the web, check us out at www.thehighvibenation.com. Looking forward to seeing you on the next episode and keep high vibing.